KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. A Temple professor has worked on some fascinating research about the impact of the legalization of recreational marijuana on workers' compensation claims. We've attached a link to the research in the show notes, and we wanted to learn more about it. So we caught up with Dr. Catherine McLean, who is an associate professor of economics at Temple University. This is really interesting. Give a listen. So to start, just kind of give us an outline about this research and why you decided to pursue it. Sure, that's a great question. So my work is on the economics of mental health and substance use and public policies that are related to those outcomes. So what drew me to this particular study is I have done work in the past on legalization of marijuana in other contexts. Uh, I have in particular a paper from 2019 where I looked at medical marijuana and the legalization of medical marijuana. So using state experiences, and I looked at labor supply and health outcomes for older adults. And in that study, uh, using different data, but very similar methods, we, my co-author and I found that when a state legalized medical marijuana, so this is legalization for specific medical purposes, which vary across states, we found that older workers were able to work more and they reported less uh, work uh, capacity impediments, like for example, chronic pain. They had less reported chronic pain and they had improvements in other measures of, of, of health. So what my thinking was with this particular paper um, is that recreational marijuana, so legalization for recreational purposes, essentially for all adults 21 years and older, it can impact a one a larger share of the population because many state medical marijuana laws are relatively restrictive in the types of health conditions that will qualify one for legal access. There are also other things that occur with recreational legalization versus medical. There can be changes in stigma, knowledge, patient perception of the safety of the product. In my mind, I kind of think about it as sort of similar to when you think about nicotine replacement therapies in in the context of smoking cessation, when some of them went over the counter. We just saw that sort of reduced some burdens for patients. Um, So what marijuana can do, um, now I'm going to focus this thinking more so about work capacity and health, and I want to have a couple of thoughts out there. First, I'm not claiming, nor are any of my co-authors, to the best of my knowledge, are we claiming that marijuana will improve health, we think at best, it may be able, if used appropriately, to minimize symptoms associated with specific chronic and acute health conditions, for example, chronic pain. So when you have the recreational marijuana, this is allowing a lot of people to have access to this product that can based on clinical trial literature, um, also looking at some observational studies, uh, can help people manage chronic pain conditions. So our thought was that following recreational legalization, it may be that some patients who could benefit from using marijuana medically, but were not if their state had a medical marijuana law in place, and all states that have a recreational marijuana law previously had a medical marijuana law in place could start using the product medically, and this could allow them to better manage symptoms. And this could improve their work capacity or their ability to work productively in the labor market. Now, what we thought we could do is we could look at one specific proxy for work capacity, which we view as workers' compensation, because 
workers' compensation is received by ill and injured workers when they are become ill or injured in the workplace or doing their, doing their job. And we thought when folks are able to use the product, this may allow them to not have to have this work separation or if, uh, because they are able to manage the symptoms of the condition, or if they have to separate, they can separate for a shorter period of time. That is return to work more quick, quickly. And that meaning that they are on workers comp for a, a shorter amount of time, which might, one could argue is good for workers and is good for employers. So that was the, the context behind why we, we conducted this study. And now get into the specifics of what you found. If I'm the reading correctly, you focused on the age group 40 to 62. Am I correct on that? Yes, that's a, you are correct. Uh, we focused on that age group because we felt that that age group was most likely to use marijuana medically. We, there's, we have this clinical evidence that is suggestive of that. And also that is an age group that is more likely to um, experience some of the conditions that we thought medical mar- that marijuana use medically could um, help alleviate symptoms. For example, having a cr- chronic pain from a repeated injury uh, through the workplace or otherwise. So we focused, you are correct, on these older adults, 40 to 62 years of age. And what we did is we used a, a government data set their current population survey. Uh, We used data over the period 2011 to 2019, which due to the ways in which the government survey works, this is gonna refer to the period 2010 to 2018. What we look at, we would love to have information on workers' compensation claims. So these are claims that folks actually place and in some cases have them awarded. Unfortunately, due to the way that workers' compensation works in the United States, unfortunately for our purposes, I should say, is that workers' compensation programs, uh, there's not a unified data set. That is, there are different programs for different types of workers. States have their own programs and manage their own databases. And then there are some federal programs that impact specific types of workers, but there's not this unified data set of all claims in the country. And what we do in our research design is we utilize the experiences of all of the states that have adopted recreational marijuana laws through 2020. So we really need a database with all the states. So as a next best alternative, we use the current population survey where what we have is we have people are asked, did you have any workers' compensation income in the past year? Yes or no, and if so, how much income? So we use the measure of, did you have any workers' compensation income in the past year as a proxy for a workers' compensation claim? So we miss some aspects of workers' comp, but this is what we were able to measure. We utilize that data set. We estimated a statistical model, which is referred to as a differences in differences method. So essentially what we do is we compare outcomes, workers' compensation income in states that adopted and did not adopt uh, recreational marijuana laws over the study period 2010 to 2018. And we compared the workers' comp between those groups. So we thought we were If you believe our statistical model, we are holding all else constant and isolating the impact of this recreational marijuana law on workers' comp income. And what we find is that in states that adopted a recreational marijuana law, there was a 20 to 21% reduction in the probability of having any workers' compensation income in the past year and the level of workers' compensation income. So happy to talk about those effect sizes. They are relatively large, but we do think that they are in line with what we know about 
changes in marijuana use following recreational marijuana legalization, and also from other studies that have looked at other healthcare interventions and how they impact work capacity. And when I first saw that 20% number, that really jumped out at me because that's significant. But I think when you kind of reverse engineer it and think about it and the way you frame it with chronic pain and these conditions where people just probably physically feel overwhelmed at times and you can mitigate that, it really, it makes logical sense to me. We felt we felt that it did. Um, and as I mentioned, when we, we looked at the literature, we looked at the literature, there is um, not an extraordinarily large, but a growing literature looking at sort of the impacts of recreational marijuana laws on many things, including marijuana use, the effect sizes, that is how big is the increase in marijuana use following a recreational marijuana law, uh, can be up to almost 40% across some of the studies that we've looked at. So those effect sizes are, are large. What we can also look to, and um, was a real base point for our study, is we looked at the literature examining what I'm just going to call therapeutic substitutes really quickly. And then that sounds technical, but it's very quite, it's really quite simple. What a, a series of very clever studies have done, uh, because one one issue that I think has been a real impediment to our understanding of how, how these laws impact outcomes uh, in the United States and other countries is that many of the data sources that we would utilize to look at these changes in marijuana use that I just mentioned, uh, they don't, in any sort of compelling way that I'm aware, they don't separate out recreational marijuana law, recre recre recreational marijuana versus medical marijuana use. So that is you just know what is, did you use marijuana or not? Not really, why did you use it? So when we look at these changes in marijuana use, we can make conjectures about how the product may be utilized, but we're making conjectures because we don't have good evidence on separating those two reasons for using marijuana. But a series of clever studies have gotten at what I'm calling these therapeutic substitutes. What they will do is these studies will use medical claims data on prescription drugs. So you can think about a prescription drug, like say an opioid, being a therapeutic substitute. Substitutes are just things that economists say people use one or the other, but not both. So that's what I mean. Um, you can think about an opioid prescription being a therapeutic substitute for mar marijuana. So both of these products can be utilized to treat chronic pain conditions. And when marijuana becomes legal, we, could, we might think, that patients, some patients may switch towards using marijuana medically and perhaps reduce their use of opioids, opioid pain relievers. And that's what a series of studies have shown that we're seeing this substitution. So what that suggests to me in conjunction with these changes in marijuana use is that folks are using marijuana and we're seeing them reduce their utilization of these therapeutic substitutes, medications that require prescriptions, and they're switching over to the marijuana to treat their, their health conditions, or the symptoms associated with their health conditions through the marijuana. And this, what we're seeing in our study, um, and I haven't touched on it yet, we primarily focus on the workers' compensation because we think it's a useful and policy-relevant outcome when we're thinking about work capacity. But we also look at a range of other proxies for work capacity, like work-limiting disabilities, injuries in the workplace, measures, other measures of labor supply, working in the past year, hours worked, uh, and we generally see a similar story across those other outcomes. So that collectively together sort of helped us, we felt, bring this kind of close the loop on this on this uh, sort of chain of events that we have it we have in our mind.
And it's really fascinating because I don't know who I think should be taking more note of this study employees or employers, because I think from both sides, this is really eye opening. And I don't know if I want to say game changing, but significant. Like if you're an employee, this, you know, helps you through some tough times. If you're an employer, hey, instead of worrying about somebody being out six weeks, maybe they're out three. That's three weeks I don't have to pay. It's like it's 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 really interesting. We we thought that it was potentially useful and I think you're right. I think that both sides of this um picture could potentially find these findings um useful or informative. Uh, we also have a previous study where we looked at these medical marijuana laws that I mentioned, the ones that preceded the recreational marijuana laws and we had very similar design study design very similar outcomes, and we have similar findings. Although they are, that is, following a medical marijuana law adoption, we see reductions in workers' compensation income. However, the effect sizes are smaller, which to us is in line with this idea that the recreational marijuana laws just have more scope. Um, so we, we hope that this information is useful to employers, employees, potentially uh, policymakers who are thinking about whether or not to uh, legalize marijuana recreationally, or perhaps medically in some states that have not done that. That is not, it's not universal across the United States, of course. Um, but we, we certainly want to think, want to be very clear that the policymaker has a very challenging job. We are piece, providing one potentially useful piece of information. And of course, there are many other things that one would want to consider and consider carefully when thinking about whether or not to legalize marijuana medically or recreationally is what many states are thinking about at this point. Have you received any feedback on your study, like kind of outside the research realm from a policy standpoint or even general public? Have you gotten any research or excuse me, any feedback on, on what you found? Uh, I've talked to some stakeholders in this the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, which is where I am located. And I think they were interested in potentially in the idea that perhaps there was a substitution um, across in particular opioids. That's a concern uh, in, in Pennsylvania and potentially for the away from opioids towards uh, marijuana. That's uh, I'd love to be more engaged, but haven't had quite as much feedback as perhaps I would like to, but I would certainly be open to that discussion. Um, but most of my findings, most of my Feedback at this point has primarily been from uh, researchers, but also practitioners as well, not just I try and talk to more than just economists like myself uh, to kind of get a broader perspective on these questions, because I think, well, economics is a very useful tool to study questions like this. Uh, we certainly by no means have all the answers. It's important to talk to people in different uh, in different fields. Is there a next um, a next challenge for you in this realm? Are there are you in the middle of other research projects that are that are similar or kind of push this forward? Uh, yes. Uh, so one thing that I'm uh, a couple of projects that I'm really excited about. So what what we focus on mainly in this particular paper is we focus on whether or not a state adopts a recreational marijuana law. Uh, in some of some some of the paper, uh, we didn't get into the details. Ha happy to do so if you'd like. We looked at the impact of. Uh, allowing dispensaries. Dispensaries are venues in which marijuana can be legally purchased. 
uh, we didn't really find as much evidence as that that might be an important mechanism. Uh, so that was somewhat surprising to us. There's some sort of some technical reasons why that might be the case. But in some other work, what I've done is I'm working with some colleagues of mine, and we are we are collecting information on the opening and closings of recreational marijuana dispensaries. So these are the stores or the venues in which the product can be purchased across the entire country. So we're looking at all states that have legalized. We're getting the opening and closing dates of the um, of the dispensaries through a collection of reaching out to governments, um, purchase, uh, purchasing data from businesses. And what we want to do is we want to see how the opening and closing of the of the marijuana dispensary, how does that impact prescribing uh, patterns more broadly? So we won't be focusing specifically on an outcome such as workers' comp, which we think might think is a proxy for work capacity, but we're going to see how do prescriptions change um, when are these prescribing patterns. And we also want to look at spillovers across county lines, because you can just drive across county line or state line to purchase the product. We want to see how that operates. Um, and in some other work with some colleagues on this current paper, uh, we're going to be looking at outcomes for uh, older adults. So in this particular paper, we're thinking about those 40 to 62. But in our planned research, we want to look at um, older adults, even older adults, um, and thinking about sort of more end-of-life outcomes and how, how access to recreational marijuana may change the experience in older adulthood and sort of symptoms that may be associated with some conditions that become more chronic and more prevalent as we age. And I guess one thing I meant to mention earlier, we do use this term older adults. Um, I now being 41, I uh, think the definition of 40 to 62 being older adults is perhaps not the best. So uh, I do apo- I do apologize <laughs> for the language. Um, I think I we could have chosen better language, but um, that is what we did. So uh, apologies for <laughs> to, to any of those who are like myself and now feel that's a non-appropriate term. <laughs> I am curious though, and just taking the 30,000 foot view and I'm always interested in our society we tend to be rigid, but it seems like when we hit a certain point on a, on something, it changes rapidly. And I think we're seeing that with marijuana because it was not that long ago, like where marijuana was still really look, uh, no legalized. That's, that's for the fringe. That's not something. And I, when I say that, like I graduated college in 1996, we're talking after that, like it has really moved quickly. But when you look at the potential benefits what studies like yours show and you look at the damage criminalizing marijuana has done in communities. There are few things we have missed, misread, miss looked at completely backwards than marijuana. And just, you look at the damage across and imagine if the opioids had gotten one-tenth of the scrutiny that marijuana had gotten for 75 years. I mean, I'm pontificating to a point, but I think we're really starting to see a pretty clear picture of how almost grotesque are the, our marijuana policies, the effect they've had on society. I agree with you. And, and I will say, now at this point, this juncture, uh, I am moving beyond what we studied in this particular study and don't want to conflate my views with those of my, my colleagues, but um, I, I agree with you. It doesn't seem given what we observe with opioids or other substances that marijuana has 
really been treated in a very realistic way. It is a schedule one drug uh, by the DEA. That is, it is a drug for which there is high potential for abuse. Uh, it's, this is what how, what the scheduling implies, that the DEA views the substance in this way, the Drug Enforcement Agency, and there is no potential for medical benefit. And this, this seems in particular when one looks at scheduling of other drugs to be harder, hard to really conceptualize, in particular with all of the social ills. Uh, I'm not a crime economist, but sort of looking at what criminalization of marijuana and the implications for communities, in particular specific communities, it's really hard to think that um, this was perhaps the optimal way to go with marijuana. Uh, so I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of public support. If you just look at public opinion polls, uh, I think over 90% of the population or nearly 90% of the population will support some form of legalization, at least the last study that I looked at. Uh, it seems as though there is public interest at this point to move to a different position on how to, to regulate this particular substance. Um, and I think that we will we'll probably we're going to see more state action and we'll potentially there'll be more movement at the federal level. There's been uh, attempts in the, in the recent past to decriminalize marijuana, which is, of course, very different from legalizing. But it does seem as though there is political and, and public will. Of course, we are now dealing with uh, many other social ills, recovery from COVID, uh, how all this will flesh out. Unclear, but... I certainly can't say that I disagree with you. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.